Несколько часов назад в Соединенных Штатах Америки завершились президентские выборы. Мы внимательно следили за этой кампанией. Хочу поздравить американский народ с завершением избирательного цикла. Господина Дональда Трампа с победой на этих выборах. Мы слышали предвыборные заявления еще кандидата в президенты Соединенных Штатов. We have heard his electoral slogans when he was still a candidate of the president. And he spoke about resuming and restoring relations between Russia and the United States. Мы понимаем и отдаем себе отчет в том, что это будет непростой путь с учетом той деградации, в, которых, в которой, к сожалению, находятся отношения между США и Россией. И это, как я уже многократно говорил, не наша вина, что российско-американские отношения находятся именно в таком состоянии. Но Россия готова и хочет восстановления полноформатных отношений с Соединенными Штатами. Повторяю, исходим из того, что это будет непростой путь, но мы готовы пройти и свою часть. И сделать все, чтобы вернуть российско-американские отношения на устойчивую траекторию развития. Это пошло бы на пользу как российскому, так и американскому народам. И позитивно сказалось бы на общем климате в мировых делах учитывая особую ответственность России и США за поддержание глобальной стабильности и безопасности. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Bunnell with the J6 Insurrection Podcast. I hope everyone had a great New Year's Eve. I... Um, had a pretty good one. It wasn't as eventful as I'd hoped. I didn't get laid, so that's not a good New Year's Eve to me, but <laughs> I did have a good time. Um, I was in uh, Georgetown and um, down at the, the marina, I guess you could say. I'm not sure if it's called a marina or a wharf, but there was a little soiree there and it was pretty cool. Um, but it was a little cold, um, but at least it wasn't snowing. And one of the things that I wanted to cover on this New Year's Day is the latest argument brief from Jack Smith. And first and foremost, what you just heard was the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, congratulating um our then newly elected Donald J. Trump. And to say the least, I was 
uh, surprised because I just happened um, across this speech and uh, Vladimir Putin himself said that Trump in 2016, or rather 2015, was saying how he wanted to um, rebuild relationships with Russia. I don't recall that being a, um, a position of the United States, but it was the position of Donald Trump. And he went on to say that he heard uh, in Trump's campaign that he wanted to do so. So when you, you talk about um, treason and betrayal to this nation, that's what that is. Vladimir Putin is not a friend of the United States. Vladimir Putin has never been a friend of the United States, but he has been a friend to Donald J. Trump and his family. And that's perfectly fine. But what he doesn't get to do as the president of the United States is go on the world stage and waving a white flag, because that essentially is what he is, has done and is doing to this country. And the last I checked, the United States of America is not in the business of waving a red flag to our adversaries, the USSR or Russia or whatever they're calling themselves these days, Soviet Union, who knows. But that is not our position, nor was it our position when that traitor-in-chief became the President of the United States. And I want to remind my audience that Article 3, Section 3, the Treason Clause, and 18 U.S. Code Section 2381 for treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. Aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title, but not less than $10,000. Okay, so the reason that I continually talk about treason is that it's an important aspect of what Donald J. Trump has done. And if you have read the latest argument from Jack Smith, the prosecuting attorney for USA versus DJT, you will know, and it is uh, tucked away on a specific page. And, and I want to talk about the entire um, argument document, because it's roughly 66 pages of argument, but a total of 88 pages. So it's a big document. And, and uh, I had to read the, the majority of it this morning. So I was kind of groggy and I'm like, oh my God, I got to read the rest of that document. But I think it's important to read the document because the legacy media hasn't, or I don't know if they're planning on it, but, and this is a large part of the problem with the, uh, the American um, 
information that is going out to civilians and citizens is that the media, the legacy media, isn't doing their job. Because if you look at any of the lead titles of stories online, wherever, they're basically missing the point of Jack Smith's brief. Okay? And like I said, it's tucked away in a... In a and you know who else is covering it? Ben Micellis, um on the Midas Touch Network, who is brilliant. And um, at, at the beginning of his reign, I, I really... Um, I, I was kind of on the fence about the Midas touch, but I have to say that they had proven themselves as soldiers on the front line and defending democracy because no one else is, especially legacy media. And and I heard this morning this Indian guy um, uh, on uh, Joe Scarborough, whatever that show is, morning morning show, um, he was saying that the Democratic Party doesn't have um, a leg to stand on because their movement is absent of any message to the American people, whether they're Democrats or independents or Republicans. And the thing that Trump has is a movement. So whether you want to believe Trump or you don't want to believe Trump or you or, or whatever, you cannot uh, say that he doesn't have a message, and but his message is the wrong message and a and a treasonous message. But he has a message nonetheless. So uh, the reason that I wanted to uh, jump into that specific um, section, and it's on page twenty nine. And whether you read the argument brief or you don't read the argument brief, this is the brief that is arguing against uh, the idiot Donald J. Trump's immunity um, defense and that he is immune, absolute immunity, because he's the president, which he doesn't have because there's no such thing as absolute immunity. It's just him making things up and his criminal attorneys who are attorneys that are criminals making up. Uh, lies, because that's what they are. Um, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's what they do, because, you know, that's what lawyers do. They lie, unfortunately, for their clients. So, uh, once again, page 29 on the latest immunity argument is why I keep talking about treason and Trump being a traitor. Okay, so let's just start with this. So, on page 29, the implications of the defendant's broad immunity theory are sobering. In his view, a court should treat a president's criminal conduct as immune for prosecution as long as it takes the form of correspondence with a state official about a matter in which there is a federal interest, a meeting with a member of the executive branch, with a statement on a matter of public concern. That approach would grant immunity from criminal prosecution to a president who accepts a bribe and in exchange for directing a lucrative government contract to the payer. Number two, a president who instructs the FBI director to plant incriminating evidence on a political enemy. Number three, a president who orders the National Guard to murder his most prominent critics. And number four, 
the coup de grace, or a president who sells nuclear secrets to a foreign adversary. Page 29. Because in each of these scenarios, the president could assert that he was simply executing the laws or communicating with the Department of Justice or discharging his powers as commander-in-chief or engaging in foreign diplomacy. Under the defendant's framework, that's you dummy, fatso, the nation would have no recourse to deter a president from indicting, or I'm sorry, inciting his supporters during a State of the Union address to kill opposing lawmakers, is thereby hamstringing any impeachment proceeding to ensure that he remains in office unlawfully. See Blasting Game versus Trump. Okay, I'm going to repeat that sentence because it's, it's a killer. Or a president who sells nuclear secrets to a foreign adversary. And this is not the first time that Jack Smith has mentioned these scenarios in a brief. He did it in another, I believe it was in the stolen documents case in October. So he has four different scenarios that he keeps repeating, basically saying that Trump's immunity claims are null and void because they would allow a president to um, grant immunity from criminal prosecution if he was bribing the FBI director, if he was uh, planting evidence, or if he orders a murder, or if, and this is once again the coup de grace, or a president who sells nuclear secrets to a foreign adversary. Jack Smith put that in there for a specific reason. He's not... Uh, speculating. He believes or has evidence that this fucking traitor has sold our secrets, nuclear secrets, to a foreign adversary. And, and it's not too much of a stretch to believe this. And that's why that stolen documents case in uh, Mar-a-Lardo is taking so long is because they have to make sure that everything is in place before they put this fat asshole in jail. This, this is unfucking believable And the reason that I started this out with the treason clause is that he is, he is guilty. And whether he has been charged with it yet, they have evidence to support this. And it's right in front of us, and that is the beauty of Trump and his carnival circus show, um, his reality show, is that he's doing it right in the face of everyone. And he started in 2015 with going out on the world stage and telling Russia, if you have 30,000 emails, um, you will be uh, rewarded. And then Vladimir Putin comes out in his speech and you just heard it basically saying, uh, thank you. And that it's not our fault that we have a bad relationship between each other. That it's America's fault because Vladimir Putin is um, a dictator. See, th there's the problem. Is that you have a, a traitor as a president... And he is being allowed to continue his traitorous behavior because you have Fox News, you have Twatter, and you have Fuckbook. All propaganda machines that are feeding the American people with propaganda to support his lies. Okay? 
So the latest brief that I'm going to talk about is basically saying that Trump believes in his deluded psychopathic mind that he is immune or he's he's immune because he was the president which makes no sense and then you have a supreme court who is worried about appearing to be political that they don't have a uh, a decision or an answer one way or the other and i would have to say that this is probably the most important case of, in the history of our democracy of 250 years, and they're sitting on their hands. And they're waiting to hear from different courts and what they have to say. I, I would venture to say that the Supreme Court would go into work today and put their black robes on and sit down on their big, fat, smelly buttholes and tell the American people enough is enough. That we can't, America cannot do this anymore. And, and we have to get to work. And we have to start making decisions that may not be um, conducive to the conservatives that are being paid off by billionaires and super PACs and lobbyists and, and why they're being um, paid off with motor homes, vacations, homes, and, and their kids going through private schools that they don't have an answer for the American people. And you want to know why people are shooting each other on the streets daily and stealing and robbing each other at will is because the, the federal government has lost their way. And you don't have to look no further than the GOP mega cult because they're doing it right under your nose. But they've convinced the American people that it's Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's fault. It's brilliant. I mean, you cannot, and, and this is what you call a traitor and treason. And it's unfortunate that, you know, Trump said it himself. He loves dumb people. Well, why does he love dumb people? Because he can convince them that an election was stolen and rigged when it wasn't. And that's what you call betrayal of his oath of office. See, when um, the idiot raised his right hand and swore an oath to protect the United States Constitution, he thought he was signing a contract for a reality show on NBC. But in, in essence, like the rest of his GOP mega cult allies, they think they're in a reality show. They're, they're not really thinking that they're there to protect the citizens of this country. They're there to take bribes and to be paid off by lobbyists so that the American people are scraping and shooting each other for a coin. There's the problem, my friends. Okay, so the brief continues or begins with, for the first time in our nation's history, a grand jury has charged a former president with committing crimes while in office to overturn an election that he lost. In response, the defendant, that's you, Fatso, claims that protect the constitution of the presidency. He must be cloaked with absolute immunity from criminal prosecution unless the House impeached and the Senate convicted him for the same conduct. He is wrong. I'm going to say that again. Jack Smith says he is wrong. Separation of powers, principles, constitutional text, History and precedent all make clear 
that a former president may be prosecuted for criminal acts. He committed violent while in office, including most critically here, illegal acts to remain in power despite losing an election. He goes on to say, the presidency plays a vital role in our constitutional system, but so does the principle of accountability for criminal acts, particularly those that strike at the heart of the democratic process. Rather than vindicating our constitutional framework, the defendant's sweeping immunity claim threatens to license presidents to commit crimes to remain in office. The founders did not intend and would never have countenance such a result. And multiple safeguards ultimately enforced by the Article Three courts protect against any potential burdens on the presidency the defendant claims to fear. The defendant asserts that this prosecution threatens to shatter the very bedrock of our republic. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that sentence because this is what the defendant, Fatso, and his ambulance-chasing attorneys and their boutique 15-attorney law firm, which that's a stretch. There's really not that many. It's, a, it's his law... Um, the lawyers that he uh, is using are criminal attorneys who are attorneys that are criminals and ambulance chasing fuckers. Okay, so he asserts that this prosecution threatens to shatter the very bedrock of our republic. Okay, so you know what is shattering the very bedrock of our republic is a president who lies about an election and is defrauding the United States government. And he is lying to the American people as a traitor and a Benedict Arnold would do. Okay. That is what is shattering the bedrock of our Republic. And the last I checked, the United States of America is in the business of sovereignty and protecting the citizens of this country. They're not in the business of protecting the House of Republicans and the MAGA cult from tearing down our government, okay? And I'm going to get into this shortly, but, you know, you can go back to uh, Jackson, Hamilton, um, Mason, all of the founders basically said the same thing, that if you had a president who believed that they were immune, that they were above the law, you basically had a king. And that's where Trump's stupidity comes into play is that he really doesn't understand what he's doing. And he has um, overplayed his hand, okay? And now he's fighting like a rat in the corner because he doesn't know what to do. So that's why he goes on the world stage and says Jack Smith is deranged and he's a thug and he can go to hell and all these other things that he's saying, um, which are comical. And, you know, at the beginning, I was like, they sh he shouldn't be able to do that. But what in the brilliancy of the Department of Justice is that regardless of what he says, the Department of Justice will continue to be a, a relevant agency that protects the rule of law in this country. 
and hopefully will continue to keep us safe for another 250 years. But unfortunately, what we currently have is a GOP mega cult party who is systematically trying to destroy from within. And I'm talking about you, 150 allies, starting with the Speaker of the House, um, Mr. Smith. Why do I always call him Smith? I don't know why I keep... The, the Speaker of the House, uh, Johnson, Mike Johnson. I don't know. He's so irrelevant that I forget his name. But you can go from Mike Johnson to Comer to Jordan to Gates to Green to, um, to all the rest of them. And I'm going to talk about here shortly about either you're with the United States or you're against the United States. They have to pick a side. And they don't get to continue to destroy our country from within. Because essentially what they've been allowed to do, thank you Mitch McConnell, turtle fuckface, uh, and Moscow Mitch, who basically is bought and paid for by who knows who. Knows who. But a, a large part of their problem is that they have let the lobbyists and the super PACs get out of control. And you can blame the Supreme Court for that because they basically said, Citizens United, that uh, companies are people and everybody ran to the doors to uh, build um, LLCs and to uh, create super PACs and dark money so nobody knows where the money is coming from. Well, now we know because we're at an apex of the, the House GOP mega cult and what they're doing. Because they are, they are so overfunded by billionaires and lobbyists that they could basically do what they want. Why? Because they have bought the um, networks, they bought social media, and the rest of propaganda machines to be able to brainwash the American people. And we may, get, we may not get out of this, which is fine with me. It's not going to affect me one bit. Because I'll just get on a plane and fly to Sweden. I'll get the fuck out of here. I could, you know, it's like I, I, I am a patriot and I'm trying to defend this country. But when you're up against billionaires and trillionaires, it makes it really difficult. It really does. Because it just does. Because you have people who are being bought and paid for to be liars, because that's essentially what they are, it makes it that much more difficult. And unfortunately, sometimes the good guys don't finish first. Um, they may finish last. And like I said, this is not going to affect me. It never has. It never really will. I'll still be myself. I'll still uh, walk away with my... Um, with my principles and my honor, I'll be able to look at myself in the mirror uh, and be able to say that I did everything I could and I'll get on a plane and fly to Sweden. <laughs> no problem. I've done it before. I've used to live there. It's a beautiful place. That's where I'll go. And America will, it'll just, I guess it'll just burn, I guess. I really don't know. But, um, but you can rest assured that the GOP mega cult were the... Um, the flame that lit that fire. And it began and ended with Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, the 45th traitor-in-chief. That's unfortunate, but that's a fact. Okay. So, moving on. The statement of the issues, whether the defendant is a... Um, immune from federal prosecution for crimes committed while he served as president of the United States, 
the uh, followed by acquittal in the Senate precludes his criminal prosecution. There is factual and procedural background. The defendant lost the 2020 presidential election nonetheless, according to um, an indictment in the weeks following the election. He conspired to use knowingly false claims of election fraud with the goal of overturning the legitimate results of the election and disenfranchising millions of voters. So what Jack Smith is saying is that, you know, he lost the 2020 election and he knew he did. And there's intent, right? That's why Jack Smith is saying those four different scenarios is that he knew what he was doing. That fat pig um, from Breitbart, I can't remember his name um, right now, but I've talked about him before. He went out on his um, propaganda machine and basically told us what Trump's plans were the night before. And that's what they were doing in Washington on January 3rd, 4th, and 5th, were in the war room at the... uh, at the, uh, what's Whitmore Hotel downtown? Um, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but that's where they were. And they were planning that Trump was going to go out the next day uh, after the election. He was going to basically say that he won the election and that there was fraud and this and that. And, and that's, that was always his plan. So that was his intent. Okay. So. Getting back to the brief, the argument. And in the document, it's called the summary of argument. And Jack Smith says, the defendant, a former president, does not enjoy immunity from federal prosecution for the offenses charged in this case under separation of powers analysis. The president's unique constitutional status provides immunity from civil liability for official conduct. See Nixon versus Fitzgerald but it does not render a former president immune from criminal liability when charged with violations of generally applicable federal criminal is liability when charged with violations of generally applicable federal criminal statutes. Any burdens of post-presidency criminal liability have minimal impact on the functions of an incumbent and are weighed by the paramount public interest in upholding the rule, law, federal prosecution. Constitutional text, historical practice, and other community doctrines confirmed that conclusion. The defendant's acquittal at an impeachment trial does not bar this prosecution under either the impeachment judgment clause or principles of double jeopardy. See, Fatso, Trump, says that because he was impeached um, for insurrection and uh, principles of double jeopardy make him immune from being criminally charged, which is uh, wrong. And Jack Smith says so multiple times in this document. He just says he is wrong or it is wrong. Everything is wrong. And you don't have to, once again, be a rocket scientist to know that everything that Trump is currently saying in the public square is a lie and it's a betrayal and it's deceit against this country. And I know I sound like a madman when I talk about that, but as a patriot, as a real patriot, not a trademarked patriot definition of what this cult defines being a patriot is, a real patriot who defended this country in a war 
Uh, this is uh, the most, the utmost betrayal of their oath, of this country. It really is. And I know it sounds silly to citizens who never really served and sacrificed in, uh, for this country, but there's, there's a reason why, there, why there's monuments on Capitol Hill and while, why Washington is, um, that the whole Potomac is filled with monuments of Jefferson and, and Lincoln and, and um, Roosevelt. It, it, it's unfucking believable those monuments are there for people who understood how to protect this nation. And it wasn't lying to the American people about a silly election, which should just be either yay or nay. But this fucking traitor has turned it into the ultimate betrayal of this nation and has dragged our adversaries into it. And he continues to do it. And the truth is eventually going to come out. And I always say for treason, and being a traitor, there are only three punishments. Prison, firing squad, hanging. And, you, and those punishments um, are only during a time of war. Well, I would say that we're in a war right now. We have been, America has always been at war. We just don't name them or title them, but we are always at war. And a large part of the, what's going on in America is that we have um, a generation, a couple generations, that have never served and sacrificed for this nation. So they don't really understand what it takes to be a patriot, right? They, they, are, they have TikTok brain. And TikTok brain is a, um, a creation of the CCP. <laughs> I mean, you can't write this shit. And it didn't take, and it didn't, this just didn't happen yesterday. This was systematically designed by the GOP over the course of 40 years, tearing down everything that has kept us safe in this country. And, you know, what's funny is that, you know, what doesn't get any media is that Google was just fined, like, millions and millions of dollars for antitrust laws. And listen, I love Google. It's a Google world. I just live in it, or we just live in it. I love it. But there's something called uh, monopoly. And it's about time. Uh, and I'm sure I'll get shut down from Google because they are tracking my face, my words, everything. And that's what you call monopoly. And when you have a monopoly in our country, that's when people's rights start getting taken away. So you want to know why? People are shooting each other on the streets is because the federal government hasn't been doing their job for 30 or 40 years. And why haven't they been doing their job? Because the GOP mega cult has been trying to tear it all down for the sake of a, of a dollar and profits. Hello, people. Wake up. Okay, so first I want to apologize for my sessions being really choppy, but just as I was saying that it's a Google world, and I'm sure I'm going to be shut down. That's exactly what happened. My, um, all of a sudden, I started hearing this beeping sound, and this session should have been like an hour and a half long, but as soon as I said that, my settings started to uh, blink, and my entire recording, and it just took me two hours to recover 
half an hour of recording. So to say that Google is not doing or using AI to interfere in um, people identifying that Google is a monopoly is, is wrong. Just like Jack Smith says that it's wrong, this is wrong. And this is not the first time that this has happened. This is actually the third or the fourth time where I've went out and said something opposing Google and its functionality that my system goes completely haywire. And once again, I know I sound like a madman, but I've lost like an hour of recording because for some reason, as soon as I said that, my system settings started. I mean, I've never had that happen before. That, that This is the first time, and I'm going to record all this, and then I'm going to go to my lawyer, and I'm going to ask them why this is happening, and let's find out why this is happening. Because, um, and that's what you call a monopoly. When you cannot say something against the company that is monopolizing the function of, of your rights, uh, that's exactly the definition. Okay, so I apologize for that, but let me get back into um, the brief. So the argument, the defendant argues that presidential immunity and principles of double jeopardy warrant dismissal of the indictment. Those arguments lack support in the separation of powers, constitutional text history, or precedent. The defendant claims it may use any means necessary to remain in power and invade federal criminal liability for his conduct unless first impeached and convicted. The defendant has no immunity from federal criminal prosecution. An individual who has served as president but is no longer in office may face investigation, indictment, and a trial, and if convicted, punishment for conduct um, committed while presidency. On page 11 of the brief, the president stands alone in the constitutional firmament, but legal principles and historical evidence establish that once out of office, a former president may face federal criminal prosecution like any other citizen. See United States versus Burr. And I mentioned before that Burr was a president who was part of the Confederacy and during the Civil War, and he was charged for treason, just like his son. So I'm talking to you, Trump clan, and all those spawns of Trump. Um, they should be uh, convicted just like the rest of the GOP mega cult allies. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the founders and what supports Jack Smith's argument that a president is not immune from criminal um, conduct. So the founders were keenly aware that vesting executive power in a single person carried with it a unique risk of abuse. As James Madison explained, Congress's composition as a multi-member body made it implausible to presume that all or even a majority of the members would either lose their capacity for discharging or be bribed, that's you, Trump, or betray their trust once again given the difficulty of acting in concert for purposes of corruption. George Mason agreed, and he was a founding father. A, um, not a famous one, but he has statues in Washington. George Mason said that no man should be above justice, least of all he who can commit the most extensive injustice. Okay. 
So the brief goes on to say that the constitutional text, historical practice, and other immunity doctrines do not support the defendant's contrary claim. None does. The Constitution does not expressly, expressly provide such protection for the president or any executive branch officials. The text of the Constitution explicitly addresses the privileges of some federal officials, but it does not afford the president absolute immunity. The defendant, that's you, Fatso, argument that the impeachment is a check for presidential malfeasance is also incorrect. Historical evidence from the time of the founding fathers likewise confirms that a president was subject to prosecution um, while no longer in office. Hamilton explained that an impeachment would not terminate the chastisement of the offender because after having been sentenced to a perpetual um, system and the confidence and honors and emoluments of his country, he will still be liable to prosecution and punishment in the ordinary course of law. The defendant advances unpersuasive contentions that historical practice in fact supports rule of presidential immunity from criminal prosecution. First, in averting early authorities. The defendant repeats his flawed claim. I'm going to say that again. The defendant, Trump, repeats his flawed claim that decisions and other writings from Chief Justice Marshall, that justice story expounded a rule of unreviable presidential authority. As explained, that sweeping claim is unfounded. Second, he notes that no former president has been criminally prosecuted, but that reflects not a tradition of criminal immunity, but instead the fact that most presidents have done nothing criminal, making it difficult to draw inferences from the absence of arrest or prosecutions. See, that is a great defense by Trump is that there's no precedence. Well, you know what else is not precedent? We've never had a, a traitor and Benedict Arnold or a traitor in chief as a president. No scumbag has ever um, swore an oath and then turned his back on his nation. We've never had a president do that besides Burke, but it wasn't as dirty and low down as this one. At least he, you know, went to war and people died for the, the fight. This one is as sneaky as a snake and went and did everything that he possibly could to subvert the, um, the vote of the, um, of the citizens and then uh, went on a conspiracy uh, rampage and trying to uh, burn down the U.S. Capitol. No, no, we've never had a president do that before until the game show host decided to do so. Okay, so moving on. The defendant's counter-arguments lack merit. I'm going to say that again. Trump's counter-arguments lack merit. A former president does not have the sort of sweeping immunity the defendant advocates. The denial of his motion to dismiss should be affirmed, and this case should proceed to trial. And on page 47, it pretty much Jack Smith lays out all of his crimes, you know, it was a conspiracy to overturn the presidential election, fraudulent slate of electors, seven states leveraging the Department of Justice, um, you know, supporting a candidacy for um, fraudulent election results, 
um, you know, opposing the certification and transfer of power on January 6th, um, sending a mob and insurrectionists to the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. The indictment um, thus alleges conspiracies to advance the defendant's prospect as a candidate for elected office in concert with private persons as well as government officials. So those private persons are the insurrectionists like, um, you know, the white-collar criminals like Steve Bannon and Rudolph Giuliani and elected government officials are like Jim Jordan and uh, Scott Perry and Eastman and Clark and Rubio and Cruz and Blackburn, all of these elected officials who are co-conspirators who just haven't been convicted yet, but they're the allies of the MAGA cult. And I've already said all this. Unfortunately, it was deleted because Google is a monopoly. Um, let's see if they what they can do to turn me off again. Okay, so the defendant's acquittal and impeachment trial does not bar this prosecution. The, his contention is incorrect once again. Now, to quote Hamilton again, Hamilton, and the inventory of constitutional protections did not suggest that a former president could not be prosecuted. It goes on to say that to suggest that a former president could not be prosecuted if he was impeached but not convicted. Rather, the strong current that runs through all three of Hamilton's essays says is that a former president, unlike a king, is amenable to the common course of law. In conclusion, for the foregoing reasons, this court should affirm the district court's order defying or denying the defendants, that's you, Trump, motions to dismiss on presidential immunity and double jeopardy grounds. So like I said before, this was a 68-page document, total of 82 pages brief. You know, a lot of it's like signatures and, you know, conclusions, but the meat of it was 68 pages, and it was long. And I'm not real happy that I had to repeat the session because Google uh, decided to uh, turn it, turn on my settings and... Uh, warn me about something that I don't know what it was, uh, but I will find out what that was. Okay. So I think an important person this weekend um, made a statement, and it's my favorite uh, federal judge, uh, Judge J. Michael Ludig, and he filed an amicus brief. And he says that a president is never immune from criminal charges. And they cannot be immune from prosecution from violating the vesting clause to remain in power and in office. It's rebellion against the Constitution and the United States of America. In the immunity context, a president can never be immune from trying to overturn election and stay in power. A president serves a four-year term, and this was violated by Trump's attempt. No man is above the law. This case exemplifies this adage and what it stands for. The single greatest concern of the framers of the Constitution is a, is a demagogue in the presidency. And demagogue is exactly what he is, Trump. 
And in the presidency, act on passions of populace for their presidency, not on reason, but on their passions. And that's exactly what Trump did and has done. He go, goes on to say, the Supreme Court will deny appellate cert from absolute immunity. He has no doubt. So another person that he mentioned in his last statement was Ari Fleischer. And Ari Fleischer is a, uh, a political pundit, windbag, who worked for uh, King George II, George W. Bush. And he says that the Ari Fleischer, the windbag, says that the Constitution's 14th Amendment, Section 3, is anti-democratic. Well, you know what's anti-democratic? Is being a traitor. And that's what Ari Fleischer is at this point. By saying, and I didn't say this, J. Michael Luddig, Judge Michael Luddig, said that Ari Fleischer is wrong and shouldn't be out there saying that the Constitution is anti-democratic because the Constitution stands alone. It can't be anti-anything because it is, it is the Constitution. It is the rule book for which we follow the rules. Okay. Um, and I'm going to end on this, that every man must be for the United States or against it, proclaimed Senator Stephen Douglas. There can be no neutrals in this war. And I am going to back that up by saying that um, every man must be, either you got to pick a side. And right now the GOP mega cult has picked a side. They have picked the side of a traitor who's going to be convicted and be sent to prison. So they need to make a, a decision. And, and we forget as Americans what is actually happening on Capitol Hill. And you can look no further than Kevin McCarthy's ouster as the second ranking member in the Senate and why he was bounced is because they are at each other's throats because they know that the man is coming. And you know who the man is? The man is the Department of Justice, right? And eventually they're going to pull back the veil and these traders are going to have to pay for what they've done. Because what they want the American people to believe is that what they did was just political. It was just apolitical. They're just, you know, they're, they're innocent. Well, guess what? The United States of America is in the business of um, government. And either we are um, a sovereign nation or we're not. We don't ra raise a white flag to our adversaries and sell our secrets um, to the highest bidder like the Trump family has done. Right, Jarhead Kushner? who is now sitting on $2.5 billion of Saudi Arabia's money, that's no mistake, friends. It's exactly what it is, pay and play. But yet James Comer and Jim Jordan senators want you to think that Hunter Biden is the real criminal here. It's, you can't make this shit up. It's going to make a great movie. I mean, it really is. Um, but... And this, I'm going to end with 
the only person on Capitol Hill at this moment that's making any fucking sense is Jamie Raskin of Maryland. And Jamie Raskin says that Thomas, Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court um, Justice of the Supreme Court, and I quote, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't recuse himself? And, you know, we forget that Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's um, insurrectionist wife, was texting Mark Meadows on January 6th, before, during, and after January 6th. And she had her own little plan. And she was working with the Supreme Court, probably, trying to put judges into place and who knows. And, you know, she was on um, Leonard Leo's payroll. So who knows how deep this goes? And this really is a made-for-TV movie. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, this you can't make this fucking shit up. It's unbelievable. So I'm going to end with the definition, definition of treason. And the offense of treason has two types of conduct. Number one, loving war against the United States. And number two, adhering to the enemies of the United States, giving them aid and comfort. And old 45, Donald J. Trump, is calling the insurrectionists who try to burn down the U.S. Capitol hostages. And he's making music with them. And he's selling them um, goods that they can use to prop up their war against the United States government. And now you have to ask yourself, who really is telling the truth here? The the 45th president who has trademarked the word truth or the actual people who are in government to protect this country from foreign and domestic enemies. And, you know, I, I really think that we need to start thinking about Trump's punishment. And I don't think that, I don't make up the rules. I just follow the rules. And the way the Constitution is written is that anyone who is guilty of being a traitor and giving aid and comfort, they're, they're guilty of treason. And the according to the Constitution, um, Article 3, Section 3, or U.S. Code, Section 2381, says that a person who is guilty of treason shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title, but not less than $10,000. And for the first time in our nation's history, a grand jury has charged a former president with committing crimes while in office to overturn an election that he lost. In response, the defendant, Trump, claims that to protect the institution of the presidency, he must be cloaked with absolute immunity. And, and you want to talk about what a traitor would say when they're charged with being an enemy of the people? They would say exactly that. I'm innocent and I'm immune from all charges. So now that I'm losing my voice, um, I'm going to let everyone go. And once again, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope everyone had a great day. And it, this is going to be a great year. I can feel it. 
And remember that on January 9th, this coming Tuesday, um, the immunity um, trial is coming up. And uh, I'll be there, at, and I hope Fatso is in court because I'm going to be sitting right behind his cast of clowns of ambulance-chasing attorneys, and I'm going to um, share my thoughts. Well, anyway, everyone have a great day, and let's chat soon, everyone. Bye-bye.